Camelot Theatre is proud to present The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson. Adapted and directed by Jonathan Pratt. to Cain's heresy. I let my brother go to the devil in his own way. Oh, I'm there to pick up the pieces afterwards. What is a public prosecutor's job otherwise? Well, that's a rather dim view of the world, my dear cousin. Uh, do you not feel that's a harsh view of your fellow man? Not at all, Richard. It is free, both to them as well as myself. I do not seek to inflict my morality on any man save myself, nor do I tolerate anyone to inflict theirs upon myself. In this way, Society is kept quite to the individual, and not to any form of group pressure. I say you have done your best to avoid any sort of group pressure. <laughs> you have few enough friends. Uh, I prefer my friends to grow on me like ivy, slowly, over time. But once they are entrenched, 
You can never get rid of them. <laughs> oh, just look at us. Even though we are cousins, no one would think we would get along. A true, we are both well-respected men about town, but in wildly different ways. Uh, you, for your intellect and aloofness, and me for my affability and charm. <laughs> but I would not give up these Sunday afternoons for anything in the world, my dear Mr. Enfield. Nor I either, my dear Mr. Utterson. Uh, shall we take a uh, turn down this alley here? It seems a rather dreary place, but I am not one to say no to a change of scenery. Why? Goodness. I've been down to Sally before, only at a much different time. What made it so different? Uh, do you remark that door? Yes. Seems quite an ordinary door, save a bit dilapidated. What of it? It is connected in my mind with a very odd story. Indeed. And what would that be? Well, it was this way. I was coming home from some place at the end of the world, about three o'clock on a black winter morning. My way lay through a part of town where there was literally nothing to be seen but lamps. Street after street, and all the folks asleep. Till at last I got into that state of mind when a man listens and listens and begins to long for the sight of a policeman. All at once, I saw two figures. One, a, a little man who was stumbling along eastward at a good walk, and the other a girl of maybe eight or ten who was running as hard as she was able down a cross street. The two ran into one another naturally enough at the corner. And then came the horrible part of the thing. For the man trampled calmly over the child's body and left her screaming on the ground. Out of my way, you stupid girl. Mister, that hurt. Could you please pick me up? I'll help you, all right. <laughs> I say that! Stop kicking that girl at once, you ruffian, before I turn you over to the police! And what business is this of yours, sir? It was the girl who ran into me. It was only a simple accident. There's no reason to beat the poor girl. Lily! Oh, my sweet girl! Whatever happened to you? He ran into me, Mother. And then when I asked for help getting back up, he started to kick me. You scoundrel! How dare you! Police! Everyone stay where you are! What is going on here? I was out for a walk when this man ran into this young child. Rather than helping her like any civilized person would do, he started to kick her like she was some sort of disobedient dog. And you, sir? Do you have anything to say to that accusation? No, sir. What the gentleman says is the truth. It was the girl's fault, and I was only trying to teach her a lesson. If you choose to make capital out of this accident, I am naturally helpless. I think 100 pounds for the girl's family would not be out of place. 100 pounds for what? I think the gentleman's price is quite fair. I'll love you know, sir, that I am Inspector Newcomen of Scotland Yard, and I have the power to arrest you right here and compel you to come before a judge. I advise you to take this offer, if it is acceptable to the family. Quite acceptable, sir. Very well. Very well. I have, uh, let me see, ten pounds on me in banknotes. I'm afraid I shall have to write a check for the rest. Do you live far from here, sir? Not far at all. Please, follow me.
Where do you think he carried us but to that place with that very door? He whipped out a key, went in, and presently came back with a matter of ten pounds in gold and a check for the balance on couts drawn payable to bearer, signed with a name that I can't mention, though it's one of the points of my story, but it was a name at least very well known and often printed. The handwriting was stiff, but the signature was a bit more stilted than that. I took the liberty of pointing out to my gentleman that the whole business looks suspicious, that a man does not, in real life, walk into a cellar door at four in the morning and come out of it with another man's check for close upon a hundred pounds. But he was quite easy and sneering. Set your mind at rest. I will stay with you till the banks open and cash the check myself. So we all set off. Inspector Newcomen, the child's mother, our friend, and myself. We passed the rest of the night in my chambers, and the next day, when we had breakfasted, went into force to the bank. I gave the teller the check myself, and said I had every reason to believe that it was a forgery. Not a bit of it. The check was genuine. Inspector Newcomen and I had no choice at that point but to honor our word and let him go. After the gentleman, for I a lack of better word to describe him, left, the good inspector turned to me in confidence. Thank you for your help tonight, sir. If you ever need any help, feel free to call upon me. Just call upon James Newcomen of Scotland Yard. I shall. Uh, thank you for your time as well tonight, sir. It was no trouble. Though, I shall be keeping an eye out for that man from now on. <laughs> That is my tale of that very door. It's quite a story, Richard. Yes, it's a bad story. <laughs> For that man was a fellow that nobody could have to do with. A really damnable man. The person that drew the check is very celebrated. And what makes it worse, one of your fellows who do good. Blackmail, I suppose. An honest man paying through the nose for some of the capers of his youth. Blackmail house is what I call that place with the door upon consequence. Though even that, you know, is far from explaining all. And you don't know if the drawer of the check lives there? A likely place, isn't it? There's one point I want to ask. What name of that man who attacked the child? It was a man of the name of Hyde. Hmm. What sort of man is he to see? He's not easy to describe. There is something wrong with his appearance. Something displeasing, something downright detestable. I never saw a man I so dislike, and yet I scarce know why. He must be deformed somehow. He gives a strong feeling of deformity, although I couldn't specify the point. He's an extraordinary looking man, and yet I really can name nothing out of the way. No, sir, I can't describe him, and it's not want of memory. I declare I can see him at this moment. I knew it must seem strange. The fact is, if I do not ask you the name of the other party, it is because I know it already. You see, Richard, your tale has gone home. If you have been inexact in any point, you had better correct it. I have been pedantically exact, as you call it. The fellow had a key, and what's more, he has it still. I saw him use it not a week ago. Here is another lesson to say nothing. I am ashamed of my long tongue. 
Let us make a bargain never to refer to this again. With all my heart. I shake hands on that, Richard. Mr. Utterson, Dr. Lanyon is expecting you? He is, thank you. Is your master in the study? As he always is at this time in the evening. Very good. I know the way. You can go about your business. Very good, sir. Ah, Gabriel, do come in. I must admit that I was most surprised to see your note. You don't often call on people, even your oldest friends. Ah, it has been too long since we have last seen each other. I remember the days in college when we were inseparable. It's a shame those days are long gone. I suppose, Lanyon. Speaking of the old days, you and I must be the two oldest friends that Henry Jekyll has. I wish the friends were younger, but I suppose we are. And what of that? I see little of him now. Indeed. I thought you had a bond of common interest. Oh, we had, but it is more than ten years since Henry Jekyll became too fanciful for me. He began to go wrong, wrong in the mind. And though I continue to take an interest in him for old time's sake, I see devilish little of the man, such unscientific balderdash. Did you ever come across a protege of his, one Hyde? Hyde? No, never heard of him. Uh, why do you ask? Oh, it is a name I have heard quite frequently in recent weeks in relation to the good doctor. How so? It all started a few months ago. Jekyll came to me in quite a state and demanded I rewrite his will. There's nothing too out of the ordinary in that. I myself update my will every few years. It's just common sense of gentlemen of our station. Indeed it is, Lanyon. But it was the contents of the will that disturbed me greatly. It provided not only that, in case of the decease of Henry Jekyll, M.D., all his possessions were to pass into the hands of friend and benefactor Edward Hyde. But that in case of Dr. Jekyll's disappearance or unexplained absence for any period exceeding three calendar months, the said Edward Hyde should step into the said Henry Jekyll's shoes without further delay and free from any burden or obligation 
beyond the payment of a few small sums to the members of the doctor's household. Now, that is a strange change, but I fail to see where this concerns us. It sounds like Henry's private business, and you were never one to concern yourself with other people's private business. Normally, I would keep it to myself, but my cousin Richard Enfield told me a story yesterday that brought all this to a new and concerning light. He ran across this hide, and this creature beat a poor young girl simply for running into him. My word! Then, when Richard and the constable demanded he make recompense to the girl's family, this hide led them to Jekyll's doorstep and returned with a check for 90 pounds, signed by Jekyll himself. At first I thought it was madness. Now I begin to fear disgrace. You think this Mr. Hyde has something over Henry? Well, that's the only explanation I can think of since neither one of us have heard of him. Well, what do you plan to do, Gabriel? If he be Mr. Hyde, then I shall be Mr. Seek. Nights as cold as this, it's a wonder anyone at all is out tonight. 
It's a shame Lanyon lived so far from me. Thinks he can get rid of me? Can't he see he made me? I'm the one who should be free of him. Why, that man there. He seems to be the very image Richard described to me as Hyde. And he's going towards Jekyll's house. I must stop and question him. Mr. Hyde, I think? That is my name. What do you want? I see you are going in. I am an old friend of Dr. Jekyll's, Mr. Utterson of Gaunt Street. You must have heard my name. Meeting you so conveniently, I thought you might admit me. You will not find Dr. Jekyll. He is away from home. How did you know me? Will you do me a favor? With pleasure. Will you let me see your face? Have you seen enough, sir? Quite enough. Now I shall know you again. It may be useful. Yes. It is well we have met. You should have my address. Here is my card. Ah. Your address is in Soho? Yes, all the information on that card is quite correct. And now, how did you know me? By description. Whose description? We have common friends. Common friends? Who are they? Well, Jekyll, for instance. He never told you. I did not think you would have lied. Come, that is not fitting language. Good night to you, sir. I've rarely seen a man move more quickly in my life. He moved as one possessed. There must be something else. There is something more if I could find a name for it. God bless me, that man hardly seems human. My poor old Henry Jekyll. If ever I read Satan's signature upon a face, it is on that of your new friend. While I fear this man, I must make sure all is well. Mr. Utterson, is all well? You look rather pale. Is Dr. Jekyll at home, Mrs. Poole? I will see Mr. Utterson. Will you wait here by the fire, sir? Or shall I give you a light in the dining room? Here, thank you. I shall await your return. Of course, sir. Dr. Jekyll is not here at the moment. May I take a message? I saw Mr. Hyde go in by the old laboratory door, Mrs. Poole. Is that right, when Dr. Jekyll is from home? Quite right, Mr. Utterson, sir. Mr. Hyde has a key. Your master seems to repose a great deal of trust in that young man. Yes, sir, he does indeed. We have all orders to obey him. I do not think I have ever met Mr. Hyde. Oh, dear no, sir. He never dines here. Indeed, we see very little of him on this side of the house. He mostly comes and goes by the laboratory. Well, good night, Mrs. Poole. Good night, Mr. Utterson. I hope your next visit brings you more joy. I do as well. Poor Henry Jekyll. He was wild when he was young, a long while ago to be sure. But in the law of God, there is no statute of limitations. It must be that, the ghost of some old sin, a cancer of some concealed disgrace. This master Hyde, if he were studied, must have secrets of his own, black secrets by the look of him, secrets compared to which poor Jekyll's worst would be like sunshine. Things cannot continue as they are. It turns me cold to think of this creature stealing like a thief to Jekyll's bedside. And the danger of it. For if this Hyde suspects the existence of the will, 
he may grow impatient to inherit. I must put my shoulder to the wheel if Jekyll will but let me. And for his own sake, I must convince him. was a fine meal, Jekyll. I thank you for the invitation. Oh, of course, my dear Gabriel. I always enjoy your company. And thank you for staying after the other guests to sample this wonderful port. I've always admired your judgment of the vintages. I have been wanting to speak to you, Jekyll, for some time. You know that will of yours. Oh, my poor Utterson. You are unfortunate in such a client. I never saw a man so distressed as you were by my will. <laughs> Unless it were that hidebound pedant Lanyon at what he called my scientific heresies. <laughs> oh, I know he's a good fellow, and I always mean to see more of him, but he's an ignorant, blatant pedant, and I, I was never more disappointed in any man more than Lanyon. You knew I never approved of it. My will? Oh, yes, certainly, I know that. You have told me so. Well, I tell you so again. I have been learning something of Hyde. I do not care to hear more. This is a matter I thought we had agreed to drop. What I heard was abominable. It can make no change. You do not understand my position. I, I am painfully situated, Utterson. My, my position is a very strange one. It, it is one of those affairs that cannot be mended by talking. Jekyll, you know me. 
I am a man to be trusted. Make a clean conscience of this in confidence, and I make no doubt I can get you out of it. My good Utterson, this is very good of you, and I cannot find words to thank you. I, I believe you fully. I, I would trust you before any man alive, before myself, if I could make the choice, but it isn't what you fancy. It's, it's not so bad as that. And just to put your good heart at rest, I will tell you one thing. The moment I choose, I can be rid of Mr. Hyde. I, I give you my hand upon that. And I thank you again and again. And I will just add one little word, Utterson, that I'm sure you'll take in good heart. This is a private matter, and I beg of you to let it sleep. I have no doubt you are perfectly right. <sighs> well, but... Since we have touched upon this business, and for the last time, I hope, there is one point I should like you to understand. I have really a, a very great interest in poor Hyde. I know you have seen him. He, he told me so, and I fear he was rude. If I am taken away, Utterson, I wish you to promise me that you will bear with him and get his rights for him. I think you would if you knew all. And it would be a weight off my mind if you would prompts. I can't pretend that I shall ever like him. Oh, I, I don't ask that. I, I only ask for justice. I only ask you to help him for my sake when I am no longer here. Well, I promise. <laughs> Very good. And now that that unpleasantness is done with, do you approve of the vintage? Away 
quietly at home, trimming the midnight lamp in his study, a man who could afford to laugh at suspicion. Dr. Henry Jekyll. Yes? Who is calling at such a late hour? My name is James Newcomen of Scotland Yard. Are you Gabriel Utterson, lawyer? Yes, I am. And is Danvers Carew, MP, your client? He is indeed, sir. What is this about? I'm sorry to say he was found murdered earlier today. I need you to come down to Scotland Yard with me. We need you to identify the body, if at all possible. We found an envelope with your name and address on it. It has not been opened yet. What do you mean, identify if possible? I'm afraid the body was beaten almost beyond recognition. Then I shall say nothing until I've seen the body. This may be very serious. Have the kindness to wait while I dress. And he is the body, sir. I'm afraid it's not a pretty sight. Yes, I recognize him, even though his head is almost completely bashed in. I am sorry to say that this is Sir Danvers Carew. This will make a deal of noise. Perhaps you can help us to the man. In the next room, we have the only witness to the murder, a maid of one Henry Jekyll. Jekyll? What does he have to do with this? Why the murder up in front of his house? This way, sir. Mr. Utterson, this is Miss Rebecca Chambers. She's the witness to the Carew murder. How do you do, sir? You must have had quite a shock, miss. Oh, it was most horrible indeed, sir. Why don't you take Mr. Utterson through the events of last night, just like you did with me? He is Sir Carew's lawyer and may shed some light on the case. I'll help in any small way I can, Inspector. It was like this. I had just finished changing the sheets in one of the upper bedrooms. Dr. Jekyll had a guest in for a few days, you see. And it was just such a lovely day, I decided to rest for a few moments in the window. There was almost no one about, and the sun was so delightfully warm and comforting that I felt the most at peace I had in many a time. Please, uh, Miss Chambers, the pertinent facts. Of course, Inspector, I'm sorry. Well, I saw one man coming down the street, a very fine gentleman he was, aged beautifully with white hair. Then I saw another man, this one small and ugly, come from the other side of the street. I recognized him instantly as Mr. Hyde, who my master had received on several occasions in his house. I never liked him. He had a large cane that for some reason looked familiar to me. When they met in the street, the two men started talking. I could just hear what they were saying since I kept the window open. Why, good morning, my good man. What a pleasant day we are having, are we not? I should think you should keep your opinions to yourself, seeing as how I did not solicit them. You are an unmannerly fellow, aren't you? You seem familiar to me, but I can't place you. Well, you must be mistaken, sir. I am sure we have never met. No. It's Mr. Hyde, isn't it? I met you once when I came to call on Dr. Jekyll. 
He was out, but I ran into you leaving his laboratory. Yeah, that must be it. Now, if you'll excuse me, sir, I have business to attend to. If you'd be so kind, sir, I have a couple questions about our mutual acquaintance. I've been unable to talk with Dr. Jekyll for quite a few months and am getting quite worried. Is he doing well? He is indeed, sir. And now I must be going. Please, sir, I need more than that. I was a great friend of Dr. Jekyll's father and promised the poor man when he died I would look after his son. I just... Let go of me! I'm sorry for my rough manner, but I'm just so worried. If you'd please... I don't please, sir. Now leave me alone before this becomes unpleasant for you. Just one last question. Do you know if Dr. Jekyll is at home or, or will be soon? No, I know for a fact he is not and hopefully won't be for a long time. Oh, that's a terrible thing to say about your friend. Jekyll is no friend of mine, sir. I am merely attached to him by circumstance. Now, if you'll excuse me. Of course, sir. I'm sorry to have bothered you. I, I will have to find out more about poor Jekyll's situation by myself. You mean to pursue this line of inquiry? Yes, I have a promise to keep. And nothing will keep you from it? Ah, nothing short of death. Then you will have it. And take that! And that! And never ask about Jack! Soon, he will not exist! There is only Hyde! Only Hyde! And he just kept hitting the poor man over and over again. It was the most horrible thing I had ever seen. Hyde hit him so many times that the stick broke. After he had done the deed, Hyde ran off and I found the nearest constable. I've been here ever since. And you're sure it was Mr. Hyde that you saw Miss Chambers? Without a doubt, sir. You're Mr. Utterson, aren't you, sir? You're Dr. Jekyll's lawyer. I am indeed, miss. You'll make sure that Hyde creature pays, won't you, sir? Make sure he doesn't hurt kind Dr. Jekyll. I'll do my best, Miss Chambers. Inspector. May I talk to you outside? Yes, of course. Uh, Miss Chambers, all of someone on your own. <laughs> There's no need for you to stay here any longer. Yes, sir. Thank you, Inspector. Not at all, my dear. It was very brave of you to come here and tell us such a horrible story. Now, what is it, Miss Addison? What couldn't be said in front of that poor girl? This cane she mentioned. She said it broke. Did you happen to find one or both parts of it? We found only one part, the top half. This Mr. Hyde must have taken off with the other half. May I see it? Of course, but whatever for? I believe I may be able to identify it. God save me if I can. If you could, that would be of great service. This way. This is the evidence room. Pardon the chill. We don't have a stove in here. Gets cold even on summer days. That's quite all right. Where is the cane? Over here, on this table. Yes, I do recognize it, even through the bloodstains. 
Don't keep me in suspense, sir. Where do you know it from? I gave it to my friend Dr. Jekyll a few years ago. It's only a cosmetic cane, can't support any real weight. I am not surprised it broke. Do you think Dr. Jekyll had something to do with this? With the murder? No, I do not. But he is joined with Hyde at the hip. We need to find out why. I'm more concerned with finding this Hyde right now. I, I went to his residence, but there was no trace of him. The crone of housekeeper he employed claimed to have not seen him in months. The only thing I was able to find of note was this checkbook. Why, this is the same bank as Jekyll uses. <laughs> that must surely be a coincidence. Uh, unless you think... I don't know what to think anymore. Let me do some of my own investigating, and I shall return to you, provided I find the answers I seek. I should come with you. No, no. I'm sorry, Inspector, but this is something I must do alone. For Henry's sake, as much as anyone else's. I must not let this Hyde creature be his undoing. Mr. Utterson, Dr. Jekyll is expecting you. Very good, Mrs. Poole. Is he in his study or parlor? He is down in his laboratory. Left instructions for you to meet him there. I have never been down there. I will show you the way, sir. It's through the garden here. How is your master doing? It's been a while since I've had the pleasure of his company. He has been ill, sir. He spends most of his time in his laboratory or in bed. Rarely even comes down for meals. Most are delivered outside his door, and the dishes are left there as well. Days can pass when none of the staff sees Dr. Jekyll. Mrs. Poole, that is unusually forward of you. 
I am sorry, Mr. Utterson. It's just, I have a fondness for the good doctor and hate to see him in such a state. I do hope there is something you can do to help. Here we are, sir. Yes? It's Mrs. Poole, sir, with Mr. Utterson. Oh, very good. Come in. It's good of you to come, Gabriel. Good God, Jekyll, look at you. You look half dead and pale as a corpse just pulled from the Thames. Oh, you're no spring chicken yourself, Utterson. Uh, Mrs. Poole, uh, you can leave us. Mr. Utterson and I have business for our ears only. Very good, sir. Uh, Mrs. Poole said you have been trying to get in for the past several days. Rather incessantly, what is this about, Utterson? You have heard the news about MP Carew? Yes, yes, they were crying it in the square. I heard them in my dining room. Carew is my client, but so are you, and I want to know what I am doing. You have not been mad enough to hide this hide fellow. Utterson, I, I swear to God, I will never set eyes on him again. I bind my honor to you that I am done with him in this world. It is all at an end. And indeed, he does not want my help. You do not know him as I do. He, he is safe. Yes, he is, he is quite safe. Mark my words. He will never more be heard of. You seem pretty sure of him. And for your sake, I hope you may be right. If it came to a trial, your name might appear. Yeah, I am quite sure of him. I have grounds for certainty that I cannot share with anyone, but... There is one thing on which you may advise me. I have, uh, I have received a letter and I'm at a loss whether I should show it to the police. I should like to leave it in your hands, Utterson. You would judge wisely, I am sure. I have so great a trust in you. You fear, I suppose, that it might lead to his detection? No, no, I cannot say that I care what becomes of Hyde. I'm quite done with him. I, I was thinking of my own character, which this hateful business has rather exposed. Let me see the letter. Yes, I have it here on my desk. Ah. <clears throat> Let's see. Oh, that is a strange hand. Almost childlike. <clears throat> this letter is to assure my benefactor, Dr. Henry Jekyll, who I have long so unworthily repaid for a thousand generosities, that you need not worry for my safety. I have a means of escape on which I have a sure dependence. I shall never see you again, nor shall you hear from me. This is best for both of us. Sign, Mr. Edward Hyde. My, this is a sight better than I would have hoped for. Have you the envelope? Yeah, I I burned it uh, before I thought what I was about, uh, but it bore no postmark. It, the note was handed in. Shall I keep this and sleep upon it? I leave myself entirely at the mercy of your judgment. I have lost confidence in myself. Well, I shall consider. One word more. It was Hyde who dictated the terms in your will about that disappearance? Yes. Uh, yes, it was. I knew it. He meant to murder you. You have had a fine escape. I have had what is far more to the purpose. I have had a lesson. Oh, God, Utterson, what a lesson I have had. Leave me. I'm, I am tired and I, I must rest. Very well, Jekyll. 
I shall see to it that this letter is taken care of. And please, don't let it be so long before we see each other again. Oh, no, 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 not at all, my good dear friend. I shall call on you as soon as I feel better. Until then, Jekyll. <clears throat> is everything all right, sir? Mrs. Poole, you startled me there. Why, yes, everything is fine. Oh, that is a relief, sir. I shall see you out. By and by, what did the messenger look like today? What messenger, sir? We have only had the post with the usual circulars today. No special deliveries. Is that so? Jekyll just gave me this letter which he said was delivered. We have had no such thing today, sir. Unless the messenger came by the laboratory door. There is a door on the other side of the laboratory that looks out on the alley in the back. Sometimes the doctor takes his deliveries there. That must be it. Thank you, Mrs. Poole. I'm sure we will see each other again soon. Cousin! <laughs> Why, cousin? Richard! Why, it's such a surprise to see you here. I was just on my way to dinner. Uh, would you care to join me? Nothing would give me greater pleasure. Wow, this is a sad business about Sir Danvers, wasn't it? Murdered here on this very spot. It has elicited a great deal of public feeling. The man was, of course, quite mad. I should like to hear your views on a matter concerning that most horrific event. I have a document here in the murderer's handwriting. I know we swore never to discuss that man Hyde again, but I need your opinion, Enfield. You are something of a master at deciphering the meaning of handwriting. I wouldn't say a master, Gabriel, but I will do what I can, of course. Oh, I can tell from the hand this man is not mad, but there is something very familiar about it. I can't quite place it, however. Does it have anything to do with this handwriting here? Why, yes, it does. There's a rather singular resemblance. The two hands are in many points identical, only differently sloped. Could they have been made by the same person? Uh, but possible, but not probable. Uh, more likely coincidental than anything else, but that story's at an end, at least. We shall never see more of Mr. Hyde. Oh, I hope not. Did I ever tell you that I once saw him and shared your feeling of repulsion? It was impossible to do the one without the other. And by the way, what an ass you must have thought me, not to know that there was a back way to Dr. Jekyll's house. It was partly your own fault that I found it out, even when I did. It could be easy to get turned around in the streets here. So, where should we go for dinner? Of this torment in the next. My only hope 
is to make more of the serum. I'm almost out of ingredients. I shall have to order more first thing in the morning. I was so shocked to hear that he had died so suddenly, poor man. I only knew Dr. Lanyon in passing, but he seemed like an honorable man. One of the best. Came up with Jekyll and myself. We used to be inseparable, but how times change. Thank you for coming with me, Richard. It was a comfort having you here. Of course, cousin. Though I'm surprised we didn't see Jekyll here. This seems like the sort of occasion he should come out for, even if he is ill. Lanyon and Jekyll had a falling out about a year ago. It's quite possible old Henry's not over that. But to not even put in an appearance... Mr. Utterson? Yes? I'm sorry to disturb you, sir. But Dr. Lanyon instructed me to give this letter to you. Upon his death. He said it was information you needed to have. What does it contain? I couldn't say, sir. Dr. Lanyon never informed me of the contents. He did write it after a quite strange night when I saw Dr. Jekyll leaving. He took quite ill soon after that. Very well. Thank you for giving this to me. Be safe, sir. I'm sure what's in that letter will bring you no more joy than it did Dr. Lanyon. I hope it doesn't bring you as much sorrow. Well, are you going to open it? Not here, Enfield. At whom? Come with me. I have a feeling this will answer questions we both have about Henry Jekyll. Well, come, come. Open the letter. There is no need to be in such a rush, Richard. Take off your coat and join me in the study. Oh. I shall light the fire. Jekyll, what have you gotten yourself into now? Uh, what was that, cousin? Nothing. Just talking to myself. Where are those matches? Ah! Now, open it up. Ah, you are more impatient than a boy on Christmas morning. But very well. Let's see what Lanyon's last confession is. On the 9th of January, four days ago from writing this letter, I received by the evening delivery a registered envelope addressed in the hand of my colleague and old companion, Henry Jekyll. I was a good deal surprised by this, for I had seen the man, dined with him indeed the night before, and I could imagine nothing in our intercourse that should justify formality of registration. The contents increased my wonder, for this is how the letter ran. Dear Lanyon, you are one of my oldest friends, and although we may have differed at times on scientific questions, I cannot remember any break in our affection. Lanyon, my life, my honor, my reason are all at your mercy. If you fail me tonight, I am lost. You might suppose that I'm going to ask you for something dishonorable. Judge for yourself. I want you to postpone all other engagements for tonight. 
Even if you were summoned to the bedside of an emperor to drive straight to my house with this letter in your hand, Mrs. Poole, my housekeeper, has her orders. You will find her awaiting your arrival with a locksmith. The door to my laboratory is then to be forced. You are to go in alone, open the drawer on the left of the desk, breaking the lock if need be, and bring all the contents of the fourth drawer from the top. In my extreme distress of mind, I have a morbid fear of misdirecting you. If I am in error, you may know the right drawer by its contents, some powders, a file, and a paper book. This drawer, I, I beg of you to carry back with you to Cavendish Square exactly as it stands. That is the first part of the service. Now for the second. You should be back if you set out at once on the receipt of this, long before midnight. At that hour, I ask you to be alone in your consulting room and admit with your own hand a man who will present himself in my name. Give him all you took from my laboratory. Then you will have played your part and earned my gratitude completely. Five minutes afterwards, if you insist upon an explanation, you will have understood everything. It may then already be too late. If that night passes without event, you will know that you have seen the last of Henry Jekyll. Upon the reading of this letter, I made sure my calling was insane. But even so, I felt bound to do as he requested. I rose accordingly from the table, got into a hansom, and drove straight to Jekyll's house. The housekeeper was awaiting my arrival. She had received by the same post as mine a registered letter of instruction, and had sent at once for a locksmith and a carpenter. The tradesmen well, came while we were yet speaking, and we quickly got to work. The door was very strong, the lock was excellent, and the locksmith was near despair. But this was a handy fellow, and after two hours' work, the door stood open. I took out the contents of the drawer and returned with it to Cavendish Square. I proceeded to examine its contents. The powders were neatly made up, but clearly of Jekyll's private manufacture. When I opened one of the wrappers, I found what seemed to me a simple crystalline salt of a white color. The file was about half full of a blood-red liquor, which was highly pungent to the sense of smell and seemed to me to contain phosphorus and some volatile ether. At the other ingredients, I could make no guess. The book was an ordinary journal and contained little but a series of dates. These covered a period of many years, but I observed the entry ceased nearly a year ago, and quite abruptly, here and there, a brief remark was appended to a date, usually no more than a single word. Double, occurring perhaps six times in a total of several hundred entries. And once, very early in the list, and followed by several marks of exclamation, total failure. How could the presence of these articles in my house affect either the honor, the sanity, or the life of my flighty colleague? If his messenger could go to one place, why could he not go to another? 
and even granting some impediment, why was this gentleman to be received by me in secret? The more I reflected, the more convinced I grew that I was dealing with a case of cerebral disease. Though I dismissed my servants to bed, I loaded an old revolver that I might be found in some posture of self-defense. When twelve o'clock had scarce rung out over London, the knocker sounded very gently on the door. I went to the door, keeping the revolver close at hand. Are you Dr. Lanyon? Yes. Are you come from Dr. Jekyll? Yes. Now, please, let me in. I saw a policeman several streets back. Are you a run from the law, sir? All will be explained soon. Just let me in. Very well. Come in. Have you got it? Have you got it? Come, sir. You forget that I have not yet the pleasure of your acquaintance. Be seated, if you please. I beg your pardon, Dr. Lanyon. What you say is very well-founded, and my impatience has shown its heels to my politeness. I come here at the instance of your colleague, Dr. Henry Jekyll, on a piece of business of some urgency. And I understood. I, I understood. A, a drawer. There it is, sir. <gasps> Compose yourself, sir. Yes, yes, it's all here. Yeah, do, you, do you have a, a graduated glass? Yes, sir? over there on the side table. And now, to settle what remains, will you be wise? Will you allow me to take this glass and go forth without further knowledge? Or has the greed of curiosity too much control of you? Uh, think before you answer, for it shall be done as you decide. Sir, I have gone too far in the way of inexplicable services to pause before I see the end. Remember your vows, for what follows is under the seal of our profession. And now, you who have been bound too long to the most narrow and material views. You who have denied the virtue of transcendental medicine. You who have derided your superiors. Behold. What follows is too terrible to even begin to describe. For there before my eyes, pale and shaken, like a man restored from death, stood Henry Jekyll. What Jekyll has done, God forgive him, it's unnatural. Utterson, I fear our friend is beyond redemption at this point. My life is shaken to its roots. Sleep has left me. The deadliest terror sits by me at all hours of the day and night. I feel that my days are numbered that I must die. I will say but one thing, Utterson, and that will be more than enough. The creature who crept into my house that night was on Jekyll's own confession, known by the name of Hyde, and hunted for in every corner of the land as the murderer of Carew. 
I warn you to stay away from Jekyll for your own health and safety, friend, for there is nothing to be done to save him. Good God, Utterson, what kind of story was that? A true one, given all I know of Lanyon's character, however hard it is to believe. But uh, what are we to do? Nothing for now. We must keep an eye on Jekyll. If he and that Hyde creature are somehow related through more than natural means, he will need our help. That's exactly what Lanyon said not to do. Do you want to end up like him? What I want doesn't enter into it. There is a man out there in danger and pain, and I may be able to do something to ease said danger and pain. I will do whatever I can, alone if I must. I've come too far to abandon you now. We are in this together. Good God, who would be calling on you so late? I have no clue, let's find out. Bless me, Mrs. Poole, what brings you here? You seem pale, what ails you? Is the doctor ill? Mr. Utterson, something is dreadfully wrong. Come in and take a seat. Enfield, a glass of wine for Mrs. Poole. Of course. Now, take your time and tell me plainly what you want. You know the doctor's ways, sir, how he shuts himself up. Well, he's shut up again in the laboratory, and I don't like it, sir. Mr. Utterson, I'm afraid. Now, my good woman, be explicit. What are you afraid of? I've been afraid for about a week. I can bear it no more. Come, I see you have some good reason. Something is seriously amiss. Try to tell me what it is. I think there's been foul play. Foul play? What do you mean, Mrs. Poole? I daren't say, sir, but... Will you come along with me and see for yourself, Mr. Utterson? Of course. I will always be there to help your master. Richard, you'd better stay here while I go along with Mrs. Poole here. Are you sure that's wise, cousin, given what we read in Lanyon's letter? Jekyll knows me well, not so much you. It's safer for both of us if I go alone, I believe. Very well. But if you're not back by first light, I'm grabbing a constable and coming after you. I'll be up all night if needed. Now you are a good friend, Richard. Let's pray it does not come to that. Mrs. Poole, we should depart. If what you say is true, Jekyll may not have much time. Oh, thank you, sir. We must make all haste. The others are watching the laboratory, but none have the courage to enter. I fear for Dr. Jekyll's safety if we do not hurry. Well, sir, here we are. God grant there be nothing wrong. Amen to that, Mrs. Poole. You brought him. Good. Has there been any movement in the laboratory? None. We heard some groaning earlier, but nothing since then. Did you see anyone besides Jekyll enter the room? It wasn't Jekyll we saw enter the laboratory, sir. It was Hyde. What Rebecca says is true. We haven't seen Dr. Jekyll in days. But we heard his voice coming from the laboratory, calling out in pain. That's when I came to fetch you, sir. Has anyone been able to talk to either man? No, sir. But come as gently as you can. I want you to hear, but we don't want to be heard. And if, by any chance, he was to ask you in, don't go. I do not fear for my safety, Mrs. Poole. But we fear for yours, sir. 
Please, do not go in alone. Come, Mr. Utterson. We shall walk with you to the laboratory. Mr. Utterson, sir, asking to see you. Tell him I won't see anyone. Very well, sir. I shall tell him. We shall talk in the hall, Mr. Utterson. Sir, was that my master's voice? It seems much changed. Changed? Well, yes, I think so. I have been 30 years in this house, and now I can't recognize his voice? No, sir. Dr. Jekyll must have been kidnapped. Eight days ago, we heard a terrible noise from the laboratory. Since then, it's been that voice we've heard instead of our masters, Mr. Utterson. This is a very strange tale, Mrs. Poole. Suppose it were, as you say, that Dr. Jekyll has been, well, not kidnapped, but murdered. What could induce the murderer to stay? Ah, that won't hold water. It doesn't commend itself to reason. Mr. Utterson, I shall tell you all. All this week, whatever it is that lives in that cabinet has been crying night and day for some sort of medicine and cannot get it to his mind. It was sometimes his way, Dr. Jekyll's that is, to write his orders on a sheet of paper and throw it on the stair. We've had nothing else this week. Nothing but papers and a closed door and the very meals left there to be smuggled in when nobody was looking. Well, sir, twice and thrice every day there have been orders and complaints and I have been sent flying to all the wholesale chemists in town. Every time I brought the stuff back, there would be another paper telling me to return it because it was not pure and another order to a different firm. This drug is wanted bitter bad, sir. Have you any of these papers? I do indeed, sir. The voice told me to rid myself of them, but I thought they may be important. Here they are. Let's see here. Oh, this is a messy hand. It's not quite Jekyll's, but I seem to recognize it. It says, Dr. Jekyll presents his compliments to Mrs. Moore. He assures them that their last sample, sample is unpure and quite useless for his present purpose. Last year, Dr. Jekyll purchased a somewhat large quantity from Mrs. Moore. He now begs them to search with the most care, and should any of the same quality be left, to forward it to him at once. Expense is no consideration. The importance of this to Dr. Jekyll can hardly be exaggerated. And here at the bottom, in the most broken hand yet, for God's sake, find me some of the old. <laughs> this is a very strange note. How do you come to have it open? Are you spying on your master now? The man at Mars flew into a rage, sir, and he threw it back at me. This is unquestionably the doctor's hand. I thought it looked like it, but I've seen him. Saw whom? When? Last night, I was taking a walk across the courtyard to the garden when it seemed he slipped out to look for this drug or whatever it is. The laboratory door was open and there he was at the far end of the room digging among the crates. He looked up when I came in, gave a kind of cry and whipped upstairs. It was but for one minute that I saw him, but the hair stood upon my head like quills. Sir, if that was my master, why had he a mask upon his face? If it was my master, why did he cry out like a rot and run from me? I have served him long enough. These are all very strange circumstances, but I think I begin to see daylight. 
Your master is plainly seized with one of those maladies that both torture and deform the sufferer. Hence the alteration of its voice, the eagerness to find this drug, by means of which the poor soul retains some hope of ultimate recovery. God grant that he be not deceived. There is my explanation. It is sad enough and appalling to consider, but it is plain and natural and delivers us all from exorbitant alarms. Sir, that thing was not my master. And there's more truth. Dr. Jekyll is a tall, fine man, and this was more of a dwarf. So, no, sir, that thing in the mask was never Dr. Jekyll. God knows what it was, but never Dr. Jekyll. It is our firm belief that there has been a murder. If you say that, it will become my duty to make certain. Much as I desire to spare your master's feelings, much as I am puzzled by this note, which seems to prove him to be still alive, I shall consider it my duty to break in that door. Oh, Mr. Utterson, that was what I was hoping you would say. And now comes the second question. Who is going to do it? Why, you and me. That's very well said. Whatever comes of it, I shall make it my business to see you are no loser. There is an axe in the courtyard, and I will take the kitchen poker for myself. You know, Mrs. Poole, that you and I are about to place ourselves in a position of peril. Do you think, sir, that that creature may be Hyde? I think it was. You see, it had the same bigness and the same quick, light way with it. Who else would have gotten in by the laboratory door? You have not forgot, sir, that at the time of the murder, he had still the key with him. But that's not all. I don't know, Mr. Utterson, if you've met Mr. Hyde. Yes, even spoke with him once. But come, let us be quick about it before courage leaves us. Jekyll, I demand to see you. I give you fair warning, our suspicions are aroused, and I must and shall see you. If not of your consent, then by brute force. Utterson, for God's sake, have mercy. That's not Jekyll's voice, it's Hyde's. Stand back, Mrs. Poole. I must break down this door. Hyde! Are you in here, you creature of hell? It seems there is no one here. Check the back door, Mrs. Poole. I'll see to the room. Yes, sir. Where could Hyde have gone? I just heard him. I'm in here, Gabriel. Jekyll, is that you? <coughs> Barely. Good God, you look like you've been through hell. A hell of my own making, mostly. I swore I could hear Hyde in here. Is he? No, no, no. Not right now, at least. Henry, are you all right? You seem paler than the last time I saw you. I'm sad to say, uh, my friend, I am not. My experiment has taken a toll on me. Experiment? What experiment? Mr. Utterson, I heard voices. Hyde's not here, Mrs. Poole. Only Dr. Jekyll. Well, that's not exactly true, but everything is fine, uh, Mrs. Poole. Please tell the servants they can calm down. Hyde will never bother them again after tonight. Yes. Yes, sir. Of course. I am very sorry to have disturbed you. No, not at all, my friend. You always made sure I was well taken care of. I, I thank you for that. Of course, sir. <sighs> sir, are you planning to leave us? Not by my choice. But yes, I, 
I must pay for my sins. Uh, please, leave us. There are things I must tell Mr. Addison that are only for his ears. He may one day be able to give you a full accounting of these tragic events, but I have not the strength. Of course, sir. May God keep you. I hope he will. But I doubt he will forgive me for what I have done. What could you have done that is so transgressive? What experiment is a sin? One that tried to break my elemental nature. I, I will tell you all, but we don't have much time. Is that Devil Hyde coming back? No, no, I plan to make sure he never harms anyone again at any price. Is he blackmailing you, Jekyll? Are you going to give in to him? You, you will get your answers, Gabriel, but first, Will you pour me a small glass of scotch? It's over there on the sideboard. Uh, there's also a container of, a container of uh, white powder. It's uh, medicine that will help me. Uh, just a spoonful will do. Uh, uh, pour yourself one as well, but be careful not to get any of the powder in yours. That would be disastrous. Now, Henry, stop beating around the bush and tell me what has been going on. However strange my story is, Gabriel, you must not interrupt me. It will all make sense in the end, I'm afraid. You can say I never fully met Hyde and I never will. He is a product of an experiment I conducted. One that would separate my upright and respectable self from my more base desires. Remove the, the dark impulses I have given into more times than I care to count over my life. But this drug didn't work as I thought it would. I've been trying for years. Uh, only a few have known. Lanyon was one of them. Yes, I let Lanyon into my confidence. At the time, I didn't think he had my vision, but now I see he didn't have my foolishness. When I told him of my plans, he cut all ties with me. Until you needed his help. Ah, I see he must have told you of that night. He said that he would take that secret to his grave. And he did. I only discovered part of the tale in his will. The shock of whatever he observed seems to have been what killed him. <sighs> Just one of my many sins. And that shock is this. I am Edward Hyde just as much as I am Henry Jekyll. Good God, you mean to no, say... No, my experiment did separate my better nature from the evil, but at a cost, Hyde is what came from my serum. Oh, but how freeing it was. Oh, the liberty to do whatever you... You, you want, knowing in the morning you would wake up as yourself and all the things you had done were committed by someone else. You unleash this monster upon the world? And I will pay for it. As time went on, I, I, I became addicted to this feeling of release, but as I took more of the drug, the less I needed to make the transformation fully. Then one day, I woke up as Hyde. I did not take any of the serum the, the night before. After this, I needed to take the serum to change back into Jekyll. So, you are becoming this Hyde creature. I have become. There is no more serum. 
I took the last of it just before you broke down that door. This, this is the end of Henry Jekyll. Can't you just make more of this serum? No, I'm sure Mrs. Poole showed you my correspondence with the suppliers. I have come to the conclusion that the salt that makes up the base of the elixir was corrupt, and that is what caused it to work. I cannot make any more, and I've run out of time. There's only one thing left to do, remove Hyde from this world to make sure he cannot harm anyone ever again. How do you propose to do that? I have already taken the necessary measures with your help, my friend. That powder you put in my drink was cyanide. With that amount, I will be dead in minutes. Henry, that's suicide. Ah, Jekyll is dead no matter what. And that monster will kill again. It's the only way. I pray, I pray that you will forgive me, Gabriel. There's nothing more to be done. What should I tell people? Tell them what I should have told them a long time ago, the, the truth. Destroy what notes I have not destroyed already. No one should recreate my serum. Man is not meant to be purely good or evil, and there is no cure for our darkest thoughts. Above all, tell people that it was not Hyde who was responsible for these actions, but Jekyll, for he released Hyde upon the world. Henry? Henry! Oh, dead. I shall get Poole to call the Undertaker. For all his crimes, Jekyll deserves a proper burial. happened. It, it defies explanation. I heard it from Jekyll myself, and in the week since Jekyll's death, no one has seen Hyde at all. Hyde could have gone into hiding or even left the country. There's no reason to think what Jekyll told you is true. It is the simplest explanation. Everything fits. Except, can we believe that Jekyll somehow separated his dark side and let it take free reign? It would take a monster to release a creature like that on this world. Not a monster. A desperate man. Desperation can drive any man to extremes. I, I have seen it many times in my work as an inspector, as I'm sure you have as well, Mr. Addison. Too true, Inspector. I used to think it was not my place to interfere in a man's choices. I was there to pick up the pieces in the aftermath. Every man can go to the devil in his own way. That is what I used to think. Now I am not so sure. The pieces Jekyll left are too broken. Too scattered. There's very little left to pick up and nothing left to fix. I keep thinking if I had intervened more. You can't let that get to you. One of the first things you learn at Scotland Yard, don't get too attached to your cases. They will quickly drive you insane that way. Usually I agree with you, Newcomen. 
But Jekyll was my friend. If I had gotten an answer out of him, or forced Lanyon to tell me sooner, maybe he could have been saved. No one should die alone as he did. But he didn't die alone. You were there to bring him comfort and absolution in the end. Jekyll didn't believe he deserved absolution or forgiveness. And I'm afraid I had nothing to tell him on that matter. It was his responsibility for, for releasing Hyde upon the world. A man's greatest enemy is himself. Once one gives into our darkest desires, it, it can be impossible to turn away. One could say Jekyll's final act was the ultimate act of defiance in the face of evil, sacrificing himself so Hyde could not be released upon the world. I doubt we will ever fully understand the circumstances and reasons behind this whole sordid affair. We all have reviewed the evidence, then destroyed it, as per Jekyll's final wish. Cases rarely bring themselves to the resolution you would wish. This ended better than most. At least, I can't terrorize the good people of London anymore. Even with his research destroyed, though, how can we be sure that the experiment can never be repeated? We cannot, Richard. The best we can hope for is our telling of the tale will dissuade future generations from repeating our mistake. I wouldn't count on it. No amount of warnings or examples can turn some people away from their purpose. That is what could be said of Jekyll. And with that, we bring the unhappy case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde to an end. May God have mercy on his soul. You have been listening to The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, based on the book by Robert Louis Stevenson, adapted and directed by Jonathan Pratt. Henry Jekyll and Edward Hyde were portrayed by Roy Von Raines. Gabriel Utterson was played by Lanny Horn. The part of Richard Infield was played by Ernie Rosales. Mrs. Poole and the mother were played by Jessica Scheman. Rebecca and Lily by Emily Sullivan. Inspector Newcomen and Lanyon's butler by Maxwell Brune. Hasty Lanyon and Sir Danvers Carew were played by Brian O'Connor. Foley Sound was by Rafe Wheaton. Recording engineer was Annalee Greenman. This production was sound designed, composed, and mixed by Jonathan Pratt. This has been a Camelot Theatre production. Thank you.